Okay, guys, thank you. Thank you for having me. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Wednesday night Zoom class. Happy to, happy to be here. Um, today's class will be on resilience. Today's class, we will take a book called Restore My Soul. We are going to mainly talk about Rabbi Nachman's Lesson 66. We're also going to talk about Rabbi Rush's book, A New Light. And we're going to talk about Lesson 46 in the Kutim Maharan. So obviously, this week, this class is uh, in, the, in the success of my son's healing, Yerachmiel Daniel and Tababasha, and in the healing, God willing, of everybody, all call Yisrael, in the healing of all those who need help, in the healing of all those who who can basically can use all the help they can, financially, spiritually, etc. Okay? Again, I want to thank you all for your support, specifically during this time. I want to thank you for your prayers. I want to thank you for all the kindness you're doing. I, I know people are doing all kinds of mitzvot, halabaking, forgiving people, um, doing all kinds of things in the merit of my son, and it's unbelievably appreciated. And the amount of time that we put into these classes and, and, and the group and what we've done, um, it's, it's unbelievable. And I'm so grateful every single day to have this opportunity. So today we're going to talk about desire. We're going to talk about obstacles. We're going to talk about Elul. We obviously know Elul is a, is a very, it's a month that God wants our hearts. God wants our hearts. God wants our struggle. God wants us to be the best we can be. And we have to start giving little by little a different definition of struggles. And sometimes I realize that sometimes we're taking these struggles a little bit too personal. And this is how we lose our self-esteem. This is how we end up in situations where we shouldn't be. But you have to understand something. The purpose of the Yetzirah is, is, is literally said by Hashem himself. You have to look at your, the Yetzirah as the Yetzirah is going to make you great. Because if it wasn't for the Yetzirah in your life, you would never become, you would never get a reward for anything. You would never become great. So we have to start looking at these obstacles completely, completely different. We have to start looking at these obstacles like my Yetzirah is my friend. My problems are my, my are my friends. My my situations in my life are, are what get me closer to God. We have to be careful not to not to lose perspective and start God God forbid, you know, going through situations and and God forbid the opposite is running away. Very 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 important concept before we we even start this class. So obviously you guys know that I've been going to Uman in the past you know 12 years Rosh Hashanah. And this year we're having tremendous difficulties with it. Um, the country closed. And what is a person supposed to do? What is a person supposed to do? But, but desire, it's all we could do. This is a big lesson for all of us. That means if we're, we're all stuck in a situation where we feel like we're not moving, we're not moving. Nothing's moving. We're trying here. We're trying right. We're trying left. No matter what happens, nothing seems to be moving. At any time in your life when you see things are not moving, it's the time for you to start desiring. Your job in that point is just to desire. It's not to, to God forbid, say, oh, it's not meant to be. Because also we can't say it's also not meant to be also. That's also, it's very easy to say it's not meant to be. Spirituality, you have to be, become extremely aggressive. And I'm telling you right now, if it wasn't today, if it wasn't today where I am today, it's because of the, the, the intensive, intensive aggression. And, and not aggression in a bad way, but you have to be aggressive spiritually. You can't just say, you know what? I tried to learn this book. I don't understand it. 
oh, I try to 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 do his bodhis and it's not working out. You you can't have that attitude spiritually, because our souls come from ain't self. Our souls have no no limit to the potential that we have. It's ain't self. Ain't self is there's no limit. You're made from greatness. You come with greatness, and your creator does not want you to stop searching. And this is the one thing that Rabbi Nachman really, really, really expresses. If you talk about all his teachings, he's all day long talking about how, how hungry we have to be to get to the next level, how hungry we have to be to, to increase our, our, our relationship with our creator. So it's always a hunger and hunger concept. So let's start with the class. First, we're going to talk about, this is a great story from the Baal Shem Tov. And the Baal Shem Tov says a beautiful story, the parallel, the parallel of, of the frightening mask. When one of his disciples was suffering greatly from personal troubles, the Baal Shem Tov said to him, when you experience an affliction, you should recognize that God is behind the mask. A father who is playing with his little son puts on a frightening mask to see if his son's going to recognize him. You know, your father tries to hide. Your father tries to, you're playing hide and go seek with your, with your children. And next thing you know, you hide. Or you put on a mask to see if your son will recognize him. The boy is scared. But when the boy realizes that it's his father behind the mask, he calls out and he says, father, father. And then all of a sudden, the father takes off the mask. When, you, when you're suffering, you don't understand that there's nothing but God. It's very, very important. Anytime we're going through obstacles and we're, we're suffering or we're going through problems, we need to understand that there's nothing, nothing but God. The minute anxiety begins is when we're focusing on somebody else taking from us. I mean, today I literally spoke about, I spoke to five people that are going through a divorce. And all five of them are, are, are focusing too much on the judge or they're focusing on, the, on, on their partner's look what my partner's doing to me, or look how much I'm, they're making me lose, and look what they do. So what happens is, is when you take your eyes off the focus, which is only God, then you become a victim to a situation. And what happens is, if we're a victim to a situation, we can't activate faith. If we can't activate faith, we can't activate a Yeshua. So it's very, very important. You cannot activate or you will never transform out of a situation if you're in a self-pity mode. That's why I stress the, the strong amount of mindset, how we have to always change our mindset. When you recognize that it's your father behind the obstacle, when it's you recognize it's your father behind every single issue that you have, then you start recognizing that he wants to, she wants you to search for him. You start recognizing that he's behind you all the time and he wants you to win. He wants you to win, like we said before, this whole week, the importance of, of saying before we start anything, the importance of asking your creator to do something together, to not be apart from your creator, but asking, you know what, we're going through this addiction, creator of the world, let's do it together. Just like a child would say to his father, you know what, let's beat this addiction together. When we, when, when we sit in there far apart from our creator, we have no chance. But when we start saying it, let's do it together. That means your pain is my pain. Then all of a sudden a person gets consolation and his creator will give him strategies on it. So remember, the mask, the TV, the news, the, all of these things that you see in the world are nothing more to scare you. And what you have to do is you have to recognize that it's our creator behind the mask, our creator's behind the obstacle, our creator's behind 
Uman Rosh Hashanah, our creators behind every single obstacle that we're going through. Very, very, very important concept. Another beautiful parable, parable from the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov says, he gave a few examples. When a person, when a parent starts walking with a child, he does so in, a, in the following manner. When the child starts walking two or three steps towards the parent, what does the parent do? He starts backing up. You know, I have, thank God I have little children. And, and I never forget when my, my children first started walking, they walked two steps. And what did I do? I walked back. Because what, what happens is we can't hold our child's hands our whole life. If, we hold, if you hold your child's hands your whole life, what's going to happen? He's going to be too fragile. Anything that happens in life is going to break him because he doesn't have a vessel. So you almost want the child to learn how to walk by falling, in his, by falling even if he cries. And you, and you really want to help him, you really want to hold his hand the whole time, but you really can't, because if you really hold his hand the whole time, then he's not going to be able to fall and learn how to get up. So the same thing, when we're asking our creator, give me a life of no problems, you're asking your creator to hold, hold your hand the whole time and not let go, where, where if you can't, then, then how, are you, how are you going to build resilience? How are you going to build anything in life? It's a very, very important concept. Yes, your creator has to be there, but at the end of the day, he also has to let go. He has to create that concealment. He has to create that simsum. He has to create that test in your life. All of these things have to happen because he can't hold your hand. And believe me, you can see what happens to people today when their parents are holding their hand the whole life. The child all of a sudden gets everything for free when he's 21, 22 years old. All of a sudden, not getting what he wants, it's a complete disaster because he doesn't have the resiliency. So remember, you wouldn't want so much clarity. You, you almost want the uncertainty so you can build your mindset. So when uncertainty comes, it doesn't freak you out and you can handle the proper way. And this is what he's saying here. The parent has to withdraw from the child. The prophet said, you are God who hides himself. When the righteous person wants to serve God, it appears that, he's, that Hashem is sort of some, some kind of withdrawing himself, which is absolutely so confusing. confusing. You could say, listen, Hashem, I'm trying to speak to you. I'm trying to build a relationship with you. I'm trying to get clarity. And I feel nothing but darkness. But that's supposed to happen sometimes. Because that's, Hashem wants to know if you're in it for the right reason and if you're still going to be in it. That means I never forget, like I said before, the, the, the first six months of me doing his bodhidut, I never felt a thing. And I felt like there was nothing there. I felt like a block. And all I had to do is just stay persistent, stay persistent, stay persistent, don't quit, don't stop. And all of a sudden, after six months, the whole world changed for me. And I think that's something that we, each of us, are going through that time. You know, I speak to many guys about this Tikkun Akali challenge of, you know, not, not doing Zerla for 40 days. And I, I speak to people about all kinds of challenges. And you need to understand that. What I'm trying to get you guys to, and, and this is a very big difference, the way I teach and the way other people teach. The way I teach is really, of course, it's all Rabbi Nachman's teachings, but I'm really more focusing on cleansing first. Because once you're cleansed, which, which between you and me, we know what the, we know what we're going through. We know the, the situations we've gotten ourselves into. We know the sins we've committed. I'm not a rabbi, but I know exactly where people are, where they've been, because I've been there. And you can't expect, you know, all this light and all this clarity. But first, the real key has to be really cleansing, cleansing the, the vessel. Cleansing, cleansing. It's a lot of cleansing in the beginning. 
So when people start listening to my classes, it's sometimes it's a, it's a little bitter. It's a little bitter. There's, there's obstacles. It, it seems like, you know, nothing is working, but you have to understand something. The struggle itself is the opposite of instant gratification. So the struggle itself, although, although you might not feel good, you should know it's absolutely amazing in heaven. That means just because you're not feeling good doesn't mean you're not doing good. Remember that concept. Remember that concept. Just because you're not feeling good doesn't mean you're not advancing. You're not always going to feel good. Remember that concept. I, I can't stress that. Focus more on the momentum, not on the feeling. Very important. And Rabbi Nachman says here, Rabbi Shemta says here, that this is the purpose of a father. He withdraws and, he, and the person comes back. He withdraws and the person comes back. And he can't enable us to, to show us too much light because then otherwise we will really never have the vessel to go. So let's talk a little bit about Lesson 46. Again, I'm taking, I'm taking a, a bunch of small tourists from Rav Nachman. Lesson 46, Rav Nachman speaks about that the biggest obstacle that we have is the obstacle between our hearts. He says that is the greatest obstacle. The greatest obstacle is when a person's mind and his heart are, are divided. And he's questioning his Judaism, he's questioning his spirituality, he's questioning if anything's going to work. That's really an inner war. It's one thing if I'm all in and I have to deal with the outer war. But when you're dealing with, when you're dealing with an inner war, when you're dealing with a war between your hearts and whether or not you even believe and you lost your belief, I can't give you mindfulness techniques. That's not going to help you. Yoga is not going to help you. When a person's faith has collapsed and he has absolutely, he lost his amuna, he lost his bitachon, and don't get me wrong, this happens to us. It's happened to me. It's happened to people. You're going to get to a place where you feel like you lost absolutely everything. We're not going to tell us that. What should he do at that moment? That, at that moment, if I'm not in it, even if I try to think positively, I'm not going to get there. Even if I try to pray, I'm not going to have the, I'm not even going to have the strength. What, what is his advice from Nachman? He's saying here, that when a person has kushot, he has to cry out from the heart. He has to scream from the heart. Because remember, the source of the doubt comes from the heart. The rectification has to be the cry from the heart. Because you, 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 the heart became crooked, you have to now rectify the heart through screams. And this is what he says. He must cry out loudly from the depths of his heart to his father in heaven. And it says, God will hear your voice and cry. And this is the concept of the words kusha. The word kusha means questions. Are the same acronym for the word, oh God, hear my word when I cry. Yurke vavke kol shemai cry. So we need to understand the concept. There's times that you're going to have, be able to be positive mindfulness where you could have mindfulness and there's times that, okay, I'm having a good day. I'm, I'm okay. I'm mindful. I'm trying to stay present. Those days are days that you have when your mind is, when you're in pretty good standard. There's other days where you're going to have to say azamra. Azamra means let me just focus on my good points. Let me think with what I got, because what I, what I, what I, what the, the what the eight to heart is going to show you what you don't have. 
There's days that the call is to do, to do a zamra, to sing with what you have. And there's days where you have to completely scream out, where you completely feel like you've been drowned and you've been attacked and you've been completely helpless. The Rav Nachman refers to as the, as the cry out from the heart. So remember, we, ha- we always have different modes. This is not a video game. There's different times where you connect to God. Not the same time all the time, which is very confusing with people. Like, for example, on Monday. Monday, I woke up with tremendous amounts of clarity. What did I do? I started already planning all my cheesecake parties. My cheesecake party for Umana, cheesecake party for, for, um, for my son's healing. I started focusing on all vision, all vision. I was so, so into the vision that I was so focused and in an unbelievable Tuesday it was more of a prayer of a broken heart. Like I feel distance. I don't even know if I'm going to go to Uman. My son's got cancer. How am I going to get through this year? This is the same person. I'm not, doesn't mean I'm bipolar. It means those day, one day you're going to have this in tremendous energy and you can vision and you can be in the greatest mood and you can, you see everything, everything so clear. And the next day you could be as broken hearted and saying, look where I am. I feel like I haven't accomplished anything. I'm bombarded by darkness. So the prayer, when you're feeling great, and the prayer when you have a broken heart, you're still the same person, but you're in a different state of mind at that moment. And there's a different calling. It doesn't mean one prayer is greater than the other one. It means that you have to connect to God through a different concept, through a different makshava, through a different connection. So it's not. It's, this is not Alexa do his bow to do it for 20 minutes. Uh, Alexa, do this. If this is not Alexa, this is <laughs> talking to your creator from where you're at, at every single time. And this is exactly what he says here. Look what he says. How many times each Jew has to endure? Good times and bad times. There are 28 times, as it's spoken in the, in the book, in, in Shalom HaMelech says it, included the times of seasons, the changes in mood, the circumstances, the situations that you're going through. As David HaMelech says, my times in your hands save me from the hands of my foes. Now look what he's saying here. But nothing's telling us here that there's a time where the answer might be to learn Torah. That could be a time where you feel your prayers are not going anywhere. You feel like you're talking about the same thing over and over. What do you need? You need to learn Torah. More focusing on the Torah so you get the ammunition. So when you're, so when you're, when you're praying, you have more to speak about. There's another time to, to, to just say prayer. There's another time to do a good deed. There's another time to cry out and beg. There's another cry, time to be joyful. There's a time to go to sleep. There's a time to go help somebody else. There's a time for everything. Not every single time is going to be the same time. Your times are going to change from, like, like Shlomo HaMelech says, you're going to be connected to this 28 times. Or we speak about when the Jews had 42 stops, when they were leaving Egypt. Why can't Hashem create one stop? Why did they have to go through 42 stops? These 42 stops also rep- represent the 42 times in our lives where one day we're dealing with a sick son, another day we're buying a building, 
Another day we're dealing with Shalom Bayit issues. Another day we're dealing with somebody's tragedy. This is your life. This is your life. No time changes. Time changes constantly. And the worst thing that we could say is, I'm going to be in this forever. Because it's not true. Like Shalom Muhammad says, this too shall pass. Coronavirus, this too shall pass. The riots, this too will pass. The elections, this too will pass. Everything will pass. Don't give too much importance to things that are temporary. Everything will pass. My son, God willing, will be healed. That will pass. Everything passes. Everything passes. Don't get stuck with an attitude of saying, this is the new normal. Well, how do you know what the new normal is? You don't know what the new normal is. Maybe, how do you know? Maybe it's just, this is just the one year. We keep on thinking the worst. And this is due to the, the constant relying on the media instead of relying on our, on our creator. So it's very, very important to understand that. And this is what Ramnachman tells us here. He says, all the wars are really the same war. It's the war against the Yetzirah. Don't, don't confuse other wars. The wars that you got going on in your life is the war with the Yetzirah. The war with your wife is the war with the Yetzirah. The war with business is the war with the Yetzirah. Everything is the job of the ego. What is the job of the ego? The job of the ego is to make everything about us. The job of the ego is to always say, look how, look how you're getting offended. Look how nobody's respecting you. The job of the ego tells you to control the future. The job of the ego tells you to hang on to the past. The job of the ego tells you whatever you're doing is not enough. The job of the ego tells you you're missing out. Look, you're doing this. This is the job of the ego, the Yetzirah, to do everything but to get you to do your spiritual work, to get you so crazy with all kinds of mishigas that you don't even have time to focus on anything. This is exactly what happened when the Jews were stuck in Egypt. What did Paro do? He made them become busy. Busy, busy, busy. Why did he make them become busy? Because they said, if they would have thought about it for two minutes, they would have gotten out of Egypt because they were so drawn out emotionally. This is also the job of the ego, to, to draw us down emotion. And this is what, what he's saying, Rav Nathan says. He's saying here that all the lower enemies that a person has, it's an upper enemy. The, your lower enemies, they have a corresponding upper enemy. What does that refer to? What, is my saying? what am I saying by this? I'm saying by this that when you feel like giving up below, it's a time to turn it up above. Feeling like you're going up below, feeling like you're giving up in life, it's, it's completely showing you that your Yetzirah is overpowering you. It's showing you that you've lost focus in life. It's showing you that you're not clear. This is the time, not only not to give up, God forbid, but to take it to a new level. That's the whole point. We need to understand what your enemy wants from you. He wants completely, completely, completely shut down. That's what your enemy wants you to do. Get out of bounds and shut down. And Rav Nachman told us this. And then you could tell me, okay, why would God allow this to happen? Very simple. God has to allow the Yitzhahara to work. And he has to allow him to take a chance at you in order for him to give you a reward. Because all of a sudden they can make a claim in heaven. Look, look at this guy. Look at all the rewards he got. The Yitzhahara says, well, what did he do for it? He had no, he had no, he had nothing, he had no opposition. Why does he deserve this? Let's send him some opposition so we can show that he really deserves it. And this, and again, this is all, you could take this through business, dating, across the board. 
Rabbi Nachum says something that, that the way to humble the Yetzirah is one way. It's through strength. Through strength. That's the way you humble him. By constantly re-beginning. Re by constantly, constantly starting over. By constantly not letting tomorrow affect yesterday. Not letting yesterday affect today. Or not letting tomorrow become today. Tomorrow's problems become today's focus. This is the way you beat him. Is only through strength. He did not say intelligence. He said strength. And in order to have strength, you have to have courage. Courage comes from the word in Latin, core. Core means the heart. You have to have the heart. That means, you, like we said, at least 28 times, refer to times where sometimes you're going to have to go into the bittle. You know, when my son was diagnosed with cancer, there's nothing to talk about. You know, acceptance and bittle and closing my eyes to something bigger. You know, there's nothing more you can do with this. What else can I do? What, what, what else can I do? Of course, you're sad. Of course, you're broken. But it's a time to be silent. To be silent and going to be tool. And going to understand that this is, there's a bigger picture going on beyond my comprehension. And this allows us to be at least consoled. I'm still dealing with my son's issue. It's going to be probably a year. But at least I'm, I have consolation. I'm consoled that my creator did this and he did it for my benefit. And at least I can continue the rest of my life where I don't get stuck on, unfortunately, having one thing ruined the rest of my life. And this is what we have to really, really get a grip on. So again, the way to humble Amalek is through strength. The more you encourage yourself, the more you elevate yourself, the more you pick yourself up, that is the way you beat the Yetzirah, according to Rav Nachman. It's only through strength. And once you have that strength, Hashem will give you the energy to continue. So your job is just to hang in there, to hang in there at all times. Lesson 66, which is the main focus of tonight. It's one of my favorite Torahs. Rabnachman begins the Torah telling you that even when we start praying, even when we want something, usually when we want something, we don't have the words to say it. We don't have the speech to say it. We don't know how to articulate things. Because he's saying that when a person starts talking, when a person starts trying to speak to somebody, or he's even trying to approach his creator, you could see the beginning. It's very difficult. It feels like the words are not coming out. And that's because the words are in the back of the neck. They're in the Mitraim. Mitraim represents Egypt. Mitraim represents the... The back of the neck also represents where the negative forces are. The person, what does he have to do? He has to articulate his speech. He has to take his, because the word mitraim means mitzar garon, in the back of the neck. See how the neck is like, there's no, it's very narrow? That's also because the speech is narrow. So I have to literally bring my speech from the back, from the back of the neck into what? Pesach, open mouth. That's the goal of speaking. And you could see the Jews in Egypt, why do we, we say the Haggadah every year? And we're talking about the past. We're talking about the trauma that we went through, how we were liberated. And we're, what are we doing? We're saying the Haggadah out loud. We're speaking about it. We're speaking victory. Yes, we were here, but now we are here. This is not, it's very important that the Haggadah itself has to be spoken out loud. And if you, rec if you recognize that these, the one thing that has to be fixed in Nissan is called speech. 
So I also have to fix my speech. So how do I do that? Rav Nachman's saying here. When things are stuck in the back of the neck, a person has to start trying to desire to speak, trying to articulate his words. Through that action and through him trying and, 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 and getting nervous, what happens is he's actually little by little taking the speech out. So sometimes, you know, we, we, you can begin his bodhidut, the first two, three minutes, you have nothing to say. You have zero things to say. Because at that time, the speech is coming out. It's coming out. It's being articulated. It's escaping from the back of the neck to an open mouth. And this is why the Zohar says, all of a person's thoughts that entered to speech. His lips whisper the thoughts. So Rav Nachman begins the Torah telling you first that everything that you want in life has to be actually actualized. It cannot just be thought in your mind. When you want to desire something, it can't be, you can't just think about getting married. You have to say, I want to get married. It has to go through thought, speech, and action. It's very important. Just meditating is not enough. Rav Nachman tells us we need to speak it out because things have to go through what? Thought, speech, and action. Rav Nachman now speaks, tells us this, that all of us have a specific tikkun, specific rectification that we need to make. And to the extent of a person's desire, that means something, all of us, we all have something inside of us that we have a desire for. It could be a desire for, you know, spiritually, a desire to give charity. It could be a desire to get married. It could be a desire to have kids. It could be a desire to have, um, to keep, to keep the bridge. It could be desire to get married. He's saying here, the extent of a person's desire is principally by the obstacle heaven arranges for him. Let's say a guy has a struggle getting married and he's very picky. What happens is he's constantly going to have obstacles in the situation. And what Hashem wants, the purpose of Hashem giving you an obstacle is to tell you that that obstacle that you're going through, your whole life is dependent upon it. Just like a person having a struggle with eating or a person having a struggle with an addiction. His whole life is based upon that struggle. And what Ramachan tells you is when you struggle for something, it's telling you that that thing you're struggling for is literally your whole life is dependent upon that. Your whole life, the struggle that you're going through today, your whole life is based upon that. And the key to your whole spirituality and your happiness can be based on that situation. This is what he's saying here. To the extent of a person's desire is principally by the obstacle heaven arranges for him. When, when a Jew needs to do something for Judaism, particularly that it's, that it's holding him back, such as, let's say, going to Uman, going to this, this obstacle specifically for that person. So we all have obstacles. We all have tremendous amounts of obstacles. And your job, Rav Nachman is telling you, is to turn those neimot, I'm sorry, to turn those meniot, meniot in Hebrew mean obstacles, into neimot, pleasure. If it's just as God supplies us the desire for something for spiritual accomplish, he arranges obstacles and barriers that we must overcome in order to, to, to teach it, to, to overcome them. A couple, all of a sudden, they start, getting, they start dating. Now they're talking about getting engaged. You know how important it is for them to get engaged, how important to get to get married? Next thing you know, a thousand, headed, a thousand obstacles. 
where you're going to get married. My mother-in-law doesn't like you. This one doesn't like you. How are we going to do this? I don't know. It's for sure. All of a sudden, you, you like the girl. Everything's going good. And you, you decide to get married. And boom, here comes the, the complete confusion and the headaches everywhere. Or you open up a, new, a brand new business that you're excited about. Here comes the headaches from everywhere. These obstacles are showing you that you're actually on the right path. These obstacles are showing you that you're actually, that, that heaven is showing you exactly what you need to work on. And right now, my biggest obstacle, one of my biggest obstacles is, is going into very detail, going into things in detail, going into learning Gemara detailly, very detailed, very, in, very deep into it. And obviously writing my book, which requires a tremendous amount of patience and a tremendous amount of detail. And this is the weak, the biggest weakness in my life, is going into the details. And it cost me a lot, and it's the biggest yet to heart, and it's something I struggle with every single day. And what do I need to do? I need to build desire. I need to build desire, desire. Hashem, I really want to write a book. I don't know what to write about. But give me that, give me the ability to understand the details. Especially today, a person who's learning a Gemara, he's got ADD, he's got a thousand things on his head. So focus and going deep into something right now becomes is my number one obstacle right now. My number one obstacle is not waking up in the morning. I can do that without a problem. I can do those things. Those obstacles have been broken. But these, this is my obstacle right now. So a person needs to understand that, that if heaven surrounds some, is giving you an obstacle somewhere, it's exactly meant to be. And according to the obstacle you have, you know exactly. Basically, your obstacle is showing you exactly what you need to work on. It's not something to say, oh, I'm stupid. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, wish, I wish I was better. I wish I didn't have this. No, 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 no. It's not how you speak. You speak telling you, Hashem, I need, I'm, I'm building my desire. And this is exactly what Rabbi says. A person is prevented from attaining the thing that is crucial for him in Judaism. And it is through that desire, when he increases the desire, he will be able to pull that thing to him. So what does desire do? It basically attracts the situation that you're struggling with, and it rips through the barriers. The more desires you have, the more the barriers will, will, will escape. But if you don't want it, what's going to happen? The barriers will be tremendously, tremendously overwhelming. David Lieberman had a great story about a, a uh, person who couldn't lose weight. And all of a sudden, he just couldn't lose weight. All of a sudden, he found out that his daughter needed a kidney or a lot, a, a kid, I believe a kidney. And all of a sudden, what happened? He had to lose weight in order to have the surgery. You know what he did? He lost 65 pounds. What changed? What changed? The why changed. How? How am I going to do it before? He didn't have enough of a why. But when he pulls his why together, when he pulls his why, when that why becomes so big, all of a sudden obstacles become to be decreased. So when we're stuck on how, it's because we're not focusing on why. Why do I need to do this? Why is it so important to do the 40-day challenge? Why is it so important to marry a Jewish girl? Why is it so important to keep my mouth shut in the face of an argument? Why is it so important to, to forgive somebody? that I know it's bothering me, that I can't forgive him, and I'm trying to forgive him, and I'm trying to let go. Or if a person's dealing with the past, his obstacle is letting go, he can't let go, no matter what happens, 
he just can't let go. And that obstacle that's happening for him, he should know that if he desires it enough, desire is the only way to break the obstacle. That is what Rabbi Nachman is telling you. When your desire is strong enough, the obstacle goes away. And he says in black and white, he says, a person should know that from the barriers that keep him from doing something, those things are so great and his whole soul is dependent upon him. You know what can happen all of a sudden if you have somebody that's stuck in the past and all of a sudden they say, you know what, I had enough of this. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to move on. His whole life can change. I've seen people's lives change the minute they say, I'm done with the past. Or the minute, or a person having an obstacle, becoming an obsessive control that he needs to find out certainty or everything, and he can't even have trust in God. So what is his obstacle? His obstacle is to let go. Let go of it. Just let go and let God. Or a person, another person's obstacle is physical desires. Or another person's obstacle is food. We all have all these obstacles. But what you, what you need to do when you have an obstacle that you're dealing with in your life, what you need to do is you need to wake up in the morning and you need to start building desire to break it. You need to build such a desire to break it because desire breaks everything. As we say, when there's a will, there's a way. But when there's no will, there's no way. And the way to build the desire, Rav Nachman says, is through, it's through yearning. It's through desiring. Even like right now, I want to get to Uman. What am I doing? I'm desiring. Nothing I could do but want. Nothing I could do but pray for it. Nothing to do, to do but yearn for it. Nothing to do, I could do but picture it. Everything else is, is not going to work. But desire is so great that it can get you there. And this is what he's saying. Desire breaks the obstacle. Since the obstacle was only given to you, so you can increase desire. Therefore, when a person's desire is extremely great in proportion to the barrier, the barrier automatically breaks. That is the, that is the remedy. That means if something that you're holding you back, your job is to desire it. Desire it so you're nauseous of it. So you say, I cannot live without this situation. I cannot live without this with, with, with this food addiction. I cannot live with this, with this, with this situation. And obviously, you know, I'm in the, in, I'm in the recovery world. And one of the best ways when a, to get, for a person to get clean is definitely getting enough leverage that if he doesn't do this obstacle, what can, it, what can his life be like? Imagine if a person he can't forgive somebody. Imagine what kind of life are you going to have? You're going to have a life you're always going to be in the past. Or, 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 or God forbid, a a life where a person cannot deal with a sexual, sexual addiction. What kind of life? You can never get the real marriage to, married to a real person. But let's understand something. Just because one person has a food addiction, another person has that, you might have an easier time in one thing, but another person has a completely different tikkun somewhere else. So it's very important we never judge anybody else's obstacles because they are, those are sent to heaven for them specifically. You can't say you're better than them, or he's got an easier obstacle than you, or you've got an easier obstacle. We all have the just as hard as obstacle, and it's all based on the level that we can handle. All right? That's today's class. If you want to do a little Q&A, I'm happy to, to, to say. Yeah, okay. So you mentioned that you have to go take the thoughts and turn it into speech, and then the speech into okay. action. There's a question here. What if someone is unable to speak due to an illness? How does thought go into speech? Right. 
then for him it might, might be a little bit different. I mean, the main thing is, is he could desire it from his, he can't, if he, a person can't speak, if he can't, he can't speak at all. Yeah, that's what it says in the question. So, so for that, for that person, I would, I would tell him to work more on his, on his vision, on, on imagining being that, being whatever he wants to be out of that, out of that obstacle, but get the imagination specifically with music. Use imagination. Use very, use very, very vivid imagination. But for the for the, for the majority of us, we do have to speak it out. And Hashem should give that person refuah shleima that he should be able to, to to speak, and the words should come out flowing. Amen. 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 So there's another question here. Uh, mm-hmm. The viewer is saying that uh, the her daughter is asking her about a specific prayer that uh, she wants to go to school and. She doesn't want her. She doesn't want to go to school online. What prayer could she ask? Mm-hmm. What prayer should she ask for? What prayer should she okay, say? There, there, okay. Okay. Here, where we're talking a lot about spiritual things. So again, maybe heaven wants people to go to school online right now. Um, you know that, that maybe you know one thing is between acceptance and financial things. Let's say I'm working on a deal and the deal doesn't go through. That doesn't apply the same rules. Spiritually, I'm talking about. So with, with things with school, with things with the virus that are out of your hands, you almost have to say thank you to Hashem for not letting you go to school. And this is what you want him to do right now. And enjoy the moment. Don't, don't, I don't know if a prayer to open up a school is the, is the right prayer with, with if this is not what's supposed to happen right now. You get me? So it's very important that we get confused with that, that kind of angle. Desire, this is, this is what I'm talking in this class, is predominantly against the issues that we are currently having, whether being stuck in the past, whether addictions, whether, you know, uh, grudges or anxiety in the future, not having a problem with, with trust. These are the, the, the issues that, I'm, that I think Rav Nachman is talking about here. He's talking about spiritual obstacles. Okay, so it leads into the I next hope that makes sense. Yeah. Leads into the next question. So this viewer, for example, if I'm not, me- I'm not meant to make money in the stock market, I can't say, God, please give me money in the stock market. Maybe that's not what God wants from you in the stock market. Maybe he wants you to make your money somewhere else. So you have to be careful that we don't attach. You just, business, the purpose of business is the purpose of, of, of situ- businesses and stuff in your life. These are just vehicles. These are just Kaylee for Hashem to, to give you. It doesn't ha- he doesn't have to give it to you from that source. He can give it to you from another source. We can give it to you for another source. Do you understand? So we have to remember on physical things, or you could say, I want to marry that person. Maybe that person is not meant for you. You should say, I want to be married. I want to be able to become an Eman. I want to be able to serve you, Hashem. Then that's a different case than a specific person. Okay. So it's really uh, relatable to the next question. So this viewer has having a difficult... uh, uh, difficulty understanding the difference between uh, being, stubborn, being stubborn and an obstacle and h- how do you know how to differentiate between the two and how do you know once you achieved it right well first he has to pick the situation that is bothering him that he's, that he's dealing with stubborn in what stubborn in letting go of the past stubborn in, in holding things in stubborn in, in what what specifically stubborn so 
the con the question continues. I am I am doing the forty day challenge with Tikkun Aklali and we told okay. the dude asking for my soul date. I know a girl uh, for years appeared into my life and I feel connected, but sometimes I struggle with fears of of what I don't have. I ask her to be with me. She doesn't say neither yes or no. I don't know if right. I'm obsessed or she is she is for real. We shall we share Torah study, Kabbalah meditation. She has a nice and humble heart. She seems to be my mirror and helps and helps together right. to be a better person. I like her a lot and feel close. The struggle and discussions we have are obstacles to show me how I really have Ratzon or a message to be to a message to treat and mm -hmm. go with life. Got it. Okay, so, so this particular person is. Again, I, I, you have to be careful that chasing a specific individual. It's like telling Hashem, if I don't get into the milk milk carton business, I'm never going to make money. That's too limited. We can't. And, and I'm going to give you a great analogy by this. It's a great analogy. There was a guy who came, and he came. One second. One second. Give me one second. There was a there was a typical. Can everybody hear me? Can everybody hear me? Loud and clear. Hello? Loud and clear. Okay. So there was a, there was a typical situation where somebody came to the Balshamtov and the and they asked him, please please Rabbi, can you bless my horse? So the Rabbi blessed his horse. The next year he came back and he says, please Rabbi, can you bless my horse? The horse is fine. The third year, what happened is the horse died. So what happened? The guy asked him for a blessing. He became a multi-multi-millionaire. So he says, he came back to the Balsham. He says, Rabbi, I don't understand. I asked you to bless my, to bless my horse and it died. And next, next thing you know, why don't you tell me to pray for something else? Because, you, because your head was limited to the horse. You asked me just a blessing for the horse. But once you got your mind off the horse, your whole world opened up. And you saw different things that you, that you want. And so I blessed you. And therefore, you became rich because you, you stopped focusing on the horse. So this analogy is, again, we all fall in love. We have these butterflies. And we think this person is the, the one. And this person is the one. Say, I want to get married. I want a soulmate. I don't want to sin. I want to be with the right one. But you can't also force the issue if it's with a particular girl itself or a guy itself. Be careful with that trap. Because that's how people say, I missed out on life. No, you just have to say, it looks like that's my soulmate. I want it. But if it's, if it's not meant to be, Hashem is not meant to be. Now, if you get very physical in the relationship, and you get very, very physical, and you've had a lot of situations, then you, you are going to get hit with 10 times more obstacles than you normally have. So there's one thing dealing with obstacles, and there's one thing creating problems like getting very physical in a relationship that can make the obstacles 10 times bigger. It's almost like, you know, okay, you're driving through the rain and all of a sudden you're, you're playing games with the windshield wipers and that, now they don't work. So now you got to deal with the rain and you have a broken windshield wiper and you want to ask, where am I going? And you can't see anything. So that, that's why we want to limit the obstacles as far as creating them also. But don't focus on a particular individual 
Don't focus on a particular business like that guy. Don't say, I want my horse to be blessed. You should say, I want whatever you meant, whatever you, you, you want from me, whatever you, I accept, whatever you, you're going to give me, I'll accept it. And I know it's for my benefit. We don't want to get hung up on particular people. This is how people end up in four-year engagements, five-year engagements, three-year relationships. Maybe that person's not meant to be, but that's what I'm trying to say. Don't marry. Like we spoke about also today, the, the Zohar says that if you marry somebody else and you don't think that's your soulmate, that person will get an ebor neshama. They will get a spark of your soulmate. So the, the new, your new mate will, will end up getting a spark of the soul of the soulmate, and that will be your soulmate. You understand? So it's not, you can't lose out. Shem has a lot of kindness in us that he never makes us lose out. I hope that helps. Okay. The whole point of that question is don't focus on a specific person. Focus more on the goal of spiritual, spiritual purity. And through spiritual purity, Hashem will attract, you'll have a better chance of attracting the one. That's what the whole point of that is. Okay, so the next question, uh, the viewer is, uh, you know, having difficulty letting go of the past. Someone did something to me in the past, I forgave them, but the situation keeps coming back in my mind. What do I do? Right. So again, the, the reason why things come back in our mind is because we haven't purified them. We haven't purified them. For example, Rabbi Nachman says when you start praying and you start thinking all these things when you pray, these are things that you have not purified. So what you should do is you should notice the thoughts, but don't give it, don't give it energy. And you should say, I'm, the new per- I'm a new person. I forgive that person. And recognize that it's the job of the Yetzirah, of the ego, to continue to hold on because he said what you're trying to say is if I continue to hold on, right, I'm still in control. So it's a sense of really control. The reason why we hold on to things is because we want to control them. We don't like to give up control. We don't like to show. So really the, it's, it's really the, the, the ego controlling. But if you let it go, all of a sudden you're free. So again, it's not just letting go, but you also have to forgive in your heart. I could say I forgive you, but it doesn't mean I'm forgiving you in my heart. When you forgive in your heart and you transform it and you give that person mercy, those thoughts will completely, completely, completely leave you. Maybe you, ha- you haven't really forgiven and really in your heart. Maybe you just forgave them as a nice gesture. But when you forgive in, the, in your heart and you pray for that person, then believe me, all of these things are going to collapse. You'll okay. see, you'll be over it in a minute. So there's a viewer who wants to know the exact definition of letting go. Letting go means, I mean, the way I use letting go, the way is, is, is giving it meaning, recognizing that, you know, when I let go of somebody of something that happened to me, I view it as that person hurt me because that person was sick or because nobody would, nobody would do anything or a person robbed me. For example, you know, I had, Seven years ago, I, my, my, I had an assistant that testified me against my divorce. And that person caused me tremendous harm. Not only did I help these people out, I provided them for the five children, but they testified against me in my divorce. I mean, the ultimate, 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 ultimate backstabbing times 10 times Moroccan style. But what I recognize is, is that person ended up becoming addicted. He was addicted to the gambling. And he only did it in order to try to 
uh, get money out of me. So he really, he was sick. He's a sick individual. So I, I, I recognized why, why am I taking it personal? Why am I giving away energy? So I let go and I made peace that this, this was from Hashem. And once I did that, other things opened up for me in my life. So recognizing letting go really means knowing it's from Hashem, knowing that this is exactly what's supposed to happen. But what I look at when, I, when somebody wrongs me, like I said before, I always look at it as an opportunity to draw mercy. I look at it as an opportunity. I don't focus on the message. Messenger, I focus on the message. If I'm merciful with this guy, Hashem will be merciful with me and other things in my life. So letting go is just surrendering the energies, giving, getting rid of the energy behind the hate. Letting, just releasing all the energy behind the hate and turning it into mercy. I mean, can you imagine, guys, can you imagine today if Hashem didn't let go of all of our sins, where would we be today? Can you, I mean, can you just imagine you would have no shot? But He always lets it go. He allows you every year. You say the same thing in Yom Kippur. I made a mistake. I did this. And He lets it go. And here you go. You get a brand new year. So ultimately, because every single time He lets it go with you, you ultimately have to let go with other people. Not only does He let it go with you, you know what He does? He turns your sins when you, when you repent out of love, into mitzvot. So he not only lets it go, but he actually gives you double the credit for it. It's an unbelievable concept. Okay, so... Another but, thing, not letting, not letting go is also a, lot, a lack of faith. Re- recognizing that it's not... He, that, person doesn't believe, that person has struggled with believing that that's from Hashem. Okay, so the next question is, um, what's your uh, opinion on hypotenuse, uh, hypnosis, for, hypnosis? Yeah, hypnosis for overcoming addictions and bad habits? I, I've never really seen any success with it on my end. I've never really researched that much on hypnosis. But I, 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 I know what works on addiction. A person has to make a completely character change. It's a spiritual awakening doing the 12 steps. It's, it's a bunch of connection with other people. I don't think just putting a hypnosis video is going to help you beat an addiction. I think all addictions are spiritually, a, it's a call out for your creator for, spiritual, for spirituality. I don't think just watching a video or getting hypnotized is, is the easy way, unfortunately. So I think, I don't know, I, it doesn't sound so good because the ultimate beating an addiction is really encroaching your creator working the program, working the 12 steps, making sorry for all the people you've heard, becoming less selfish, connecting with other people. There's so much, so much aspects of it that I can't imagine hypnosis is just that being worked. Okay, so in regards maybe, to... Maybe it could channel a person's cravings, but I don't, beating an addiction, I can't just imagine with that. I, I've never seen good results from it that I've heard. So in regards to prayer, when you're asking for something from God, could you ask for multiple things? Yeah, of course. Of course. But the main, the main job you should do is ask for spirituality. Because when you ask for spirituality, it turns into physicality. When I ask Hashem for trust in, trust in Him and to be able to have a, a good relationship with Him and to trust and know that everything is good, what happens is I'm going to have joy. Through joy, I'm going to have success. I'm going to have trust. I'm going to have a much better chance of being successful in business. So when you ask for spirituality, it ends up turning into physicality. 
Okay. And how do you, uh, so how do you pray and ask for the right person or a sign to know whether or not the person is right for you? N number one, you should do what you can also not get too physical. So when you get physical, as long as you're not getting physical, you, Rav Nachman says, you, could, you should pray for it for 40 days straight and Hashem will give you the answer. The person can pray for something 40 days straight and he'll get an answer. He'll get the hint. Hashem will show him hint if that person is the right person or not. Prayer, asking somebody else. But the main thing is if the person, if the connection is built spiritually, it's the key. But remember, let's again, go backwards. There's no such thing as an easy marriage. There's no such thing as an easy box. There's no such thing as an easy business. There's no such thing as easy nothing. What you have to do is you have to build it. Everything has to be built. Business is not going to be easy. A marriage is not easy. Nothing is easy. So whether it's you decide that partner or that partner or that partner or that partner, either way, you have a, a, a long life, life battle with that, situ with that situation where it's, it involves giving. And that, that, let's not confuse. Even if you think you married the right person or not the married person, it's... it's there's no guarantees. You still have to work it. It's not like, oh, I married that person. I said I made the right decision. I'm free of any problems. Lose that mindset. Lose that mindset. Either person that I marry, I'm going to have to work it. I'm going to have to become the best perversion of me. I'm going to be, have to become a giver in the relationship. But I'm not, I'm not free from any struggle. All right? I hope that answers. Maybe we'll take one more and we'll wrap it up. Okay. So... Someone just sent this in. I had someone that did something to me and I told myself that I will forgive them. But the picture in my mind keeps coming back and I feel hate. I think, right. Towards the person. So read, read, right. Read the Torah Devorah for that. If you're struggling with letting go of the past, then that is your obstacle. That's the one thing you have to work on. Emuna means that everything's happening for my benefit. So like I said, first of all, hurt people hurts. That person probably hurt you because he was hurt. Or that person was not in a good state of mind. So we're taking it too personal sometimes. Sometimes we take things too personal. We make everything about us. Just because somebody wronged you doesn't mean he meant to do it or meant to do it to you. It's like, you know, when a drug addict steals money from somebody and being upset. Like, are you kidding? Uh, he has an addiction. He will steal money from anybody. It doesn't mean he did it too personal. You were just in the way. So it's very important to get through something is to not take it personal. We take it too personal. We take it personal, we make it about us. It's really not about us, it's about them. Something that they're doing, the state they're in. That's why they would treat somebody that way. So first of all, you have to recognize, don't make it about you. And second of all, you should, you should learn Tomer Devorah and emulate God. And then you'll see how God, just like God forgives you, you'll forgive him. Okay, good. Good to go. Okay, Ariel. Guys, guys, have a great day. Bye bye. Have a great night. Bye. -bye.